on today's show, we will be talking to Emily Leadham. She's the executive director of the Lord Center. We're going to talk about navigating change, which is something we need all the time because change is always happening in case you haven't noticed. Uh, so it's something we need a lot in our lives, but it's also, um, we're talking about it now because of um, set ablaze planning process kind of taking shape and beginning. So we all kind of need a little refresher on how we can navigate the changes. First, we have Dr. We have, we have Dr. Hey, Chris. I know, my, my, Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> we have Dr. Chris Bergwald here to give us some biblical bites with Dr. B. Good. Hello, right now. I was going to good morning because we're part of the morning, but somebody might be listening in the afternoon or the be, evening or the night. It, it, that's true, but it does run on radio in the morning. It does run so. on radio in the morning. There we go. Uh, so, Renee, what's today? Uh, I think it's the know? 19th. Sunday of You're right. ordinary time. Yeah, good job. Last week, you know, we had the transfiguration, yes. which sort of may have thrown you off. You handled it well last week, but I was well, curious to I see. Well, was, I was saying if I didn't know, you can feel completely confused. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nobody cares. <laughs> so the the second reading, um, and, and we've I've, we've mentioned this numerous times mm-hmm. in Book of Bites, uh, the second reading at Sunday Mass is almost all of the year is a semi-continuous reading that really isn't thematically connected to the other readings. The other readings, there's a thematic connection, right. uh, but the second reading, the 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 church wants to just give us sort of a uh, a steady diet, usually of one of Paul's letters right. or one of the other New Testament right. letters, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, stuff or after Acts, right? Acts, especially during Easter. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, that might be the first reading. Well, who wrote Acts? Paul, right? No. Luke. 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 Okay. Luke. <laughs> so anyway, so we are the, the 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 second reading of late at mass has been from Romans. Okay, uh, Romans written by Saint Paul is is one of the well, it is his theological masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's listed first in his letters, his epistles. Okay. Uh, generally, if you look at Saint Paul's letters, the, the the way that the church pretty early on. Um, organize the New Testament canon, the list. Paul's letters are gen- roughly by size. Oh, okay. So biggest is first, shortest. Romans Philom- must be the biggest. And Romans <laughs> is the biggest, but not just length, also in terms of import. Was it written first by uh, no, 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 okay. no, no, definitely not written first. Uh, written uh, near, the, I don't know if it's the last one that he wrote, but it's it's but near, near the end, near the end okay. of the ones that he wrote. So he, usually Paul wrote to the, to a community that he'd established mm-hmm. and that needed either a pick me up or a little, <laughs> a little finger <laughs> way. Come on guys. <laughs> Exhortation. Yes. Um, Romans was different because he wrote his letter to the church in Rome. He didn't, he hadn't founded the church in Rome um, and he hadn't been there yet. So he was writing um, sort of in a, uh, a letter in advance of his visit, in anticipation of his visit. Uh, so it's, it's a theological masterpiece in addition to being his longest work. And what we're hearing at Mass today is the first few verses from chapter 9. So um, in Romans chapter 9, there's a change uh, where Paul is now talking about, but, well, I'm going to read, it's just five verses. I'm going to oh, okay. read the second reading and okay. then we'll talk about it. Brothers and sisters, I speak the truth in Christ. I do not lie. My conscience joins with the Holy Spirit in bearing me witness that I have great sorrow and constant anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred, according to the flesh. They are Israelites. There's the adoption, the glory, 
the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. There is the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. So, what we see in these verses is the, is the beginning of Paul's discussion, basically answering the question, what about Israel? Mm-hmm. In the context of the fact that he has, in, in previous verses, talked about, as, as we know from his own life and his missionary activity, Paul, um, uh, a zealous Pharisee mm-hmm. uh, who has a conversion to Christ, um, and and he doesn't open. It's, it's the Lord, but but first through Peter that the gospel is proclaimed to Gentiles. But Paul is really the right. apostle of the Gentiles. Yep. But here in chapters nine, ten, and eleven, and, and starting in these verses, we see him talking about. But what about the Jews? What about mm-hmm. the Israelites? Mm-hmm. And he talks about all of these things: the covenants. The promises, the giving law, these are all the Israelites. He's, but he's answered the question, is God not faithful to his promises? Because how do we account for the fact that so many of, of my, his fellow Israelites, his fellow Jews, have not accepted the gospel, the oh, new right. covenant? Right. How do we explain that? And so that's what he's going to dive into. But the bottom line is God is faithful to his promises as he is throughout time. That's a lot after me. Let's move on to our In studio with me today, I have the most lovely Emily Leadham. Emily, welcome. It's a joy to be back with you, my friend. <laughs> it's been a couple you, months. It, oh, it's been since the beginning of the year. I yeah. think I went back, back and looked. And we were just chatting a little bit before the show. And I was like, gosh, you haven't been here for a while. It's so good to have you in the studio again. <laughs> Somebody has to rein us in, though, sometimes. Oh, Renee. I feel like we sure. have a little too much fun. I know. So <laughs> we'll see if we can get through. We can. We can. All right. So Emily is the executive director of the Lord Center. Yeah. And she is also a member of the Bishop's Leadership Team, along with myself. And we have been working really hard on all things set ablaze, make sure things go well in the diocese as we make these big changes and shifts. And, um, of course, because of what you do, one of your expertises is change. Expertise is a very strong word, Renee. <laughs> okay, I don't well, know if I'm an expert at navigating more change. Than but, the rest of us. <laughs> but I do love talking about it and I love watching people um, yes. and we accompany people. You know at the Lord Center, so much of what we do is accompany people through through various changes right. in life, big, right. small, everywhere in between, um, traumatic, beautiful, you yeah. know, all of that. So yeah, yeah I have a I have a firsthand seat <laughs> watching change you in do. other people and in my own life. You know, I'm you kind do. of a student of it in my own life. So. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about this because of all the changes coming in the diocese. So, um, so Emily, can you start by telling us how do people feel about change yeah. in general? There's such a spectrum, you know, of how people experience change. Um, I actually really, I actually really kind of like change. <laughs> in fact, like if if things are not changing um, much in my life, I can start to get a little bit restless. Like, yes. okay, what's what's kind of the next new thing? Yes. You know, like I just, I'm I'm a bit of an originator, if you will, mm-hmm. of change. I like to change. Um, my husband always jokes with me that like all of the big major decisions in our life would have never happened if Emily hadn't gotten the ball rolling. Because <laughs> I just, I, yeah. I do, I I'm kind of a natural. Um, person that that for the most part enjoys yeah. you know positive change. I feel like there's always some things in your life that you're like I'm not so sure I want to yeah, change that. Yes, yes, but. yes. But we all really have um, 
preferences. You know, I think um, some social psychologists have really kind of nailed um, nailed this in that you have change originators. They're like the Bishop de Grudes of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, Bishop is so good at this where he just sees potential. He sees incredible things that could happen um, and he gets the ball rolling mm-hmm. on them. Um, there's other people who are really open to change, but they also want to know the why. So oh, sure. they're um, a little bit more... Um, uh, kind of pragmatists, if you will, about mm-hmm. it. Like, I'll get on board, but kind of help me, me help me why. Like, there's good things about how we're doing it now. Yeah. Um, Chris Bergwald, you know, yes. I know he's been a guest on Catholic Views. Yep. I think he's kind of this way. Like, he was totally will get on board, but he likes to know the why yep. and the understanding and can see the beauty of the way it's being done now and the potential of how it could be done. I'm a bit like that, too, yeah. I would say. Um, I, I, I think I have a touch of originator in me because I come up with ideas, but in my own head, I have to answer that why first yes. before I start putting yep. something in motion. Yep, yep, so, yeah. yep. And then there's um, what we would maybe call conservers. Um, and these are all neutral, by the way. Like, these aren't good or bad. They're right. just kind of our natural preferences. Right. Um, conservers are people that really value the way that institutions are set up, mm-hmm. and they don't love to rock the boat too much. They're They're big fans of slow change over an extended period of time where maybe like your originators are kind of like, let's move quickly and let's start now. Um, Your, your conservers are let's conserve what we have for the sake of stability over a long amounts of time and slowly kind of roll those things out. So, you know, I think sometimes we say like, Oh, people hate change. Yeah, maybe some do some, some changes per potentially um it's more that i think we're a little uncomfortable what we don't know or what we don't yeah. understand and that can make us a little uneasy about change um but i think a lot of times for people you know if they're going to make a change in their own life if they're going to move houses they're going to go back to school or they're going to um, have a baby yeah. or whatever like yep. you can point to a, a myriad of different examples in your own life um a lot of times those changes are exciting yep. Um, I think where it gets more difficult for people is when we start talking about changes in institutions. Right. Um, and changes that they didn't initiate. Yeah. That are happening to them rather than their... Yes. Team. Yes. Because we don't quite know how that's going to affect us. Mm-hmm. Um, we also really value the things that we are a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really value my parish. I really value my, sc- my Catholic school that we send our children to. Right. Uh, I really value the um oh gosh what's another good example like my favorite store the way that it's set up Mm -hmm. so when it starts to change um we worry that it's no longer going to be the same that we affiliate with you know if there's a major change to my church it's like oh but is it is it still going to be that same church that i'm so proud we like the familiar yeah we like the familiar and it's what we know and we're really you know we're a part of that institution because we value it because Mm -hmm. we want to be connected to it yeah. and when it starts to change we we get nervous that is it going to be the same institution or the same business or the right. same organization that I know and love yeah do you know if there's a like is there typically a higher percentage of conservers over the others I've wondered it seems that. like it but I don't know I don't know either I've wondered that you know I bet you could this is I'll do some research instead yeah. because I have a feeling it's somehow connected to like you could tie it back to even some of the Myers-Briggs personality types oh, sure. or some of those types yeah. of things. Like yeah. I think certain personality types are more oriented toward being an originator or mm-hmm. being a conserver. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bet if I looked at the percentages of those and like 
you know, to the deductions, I bet we could kind of get a good sense for it. Because, yeah, it's really interesting. And I think if we all look at, like, even just you and I are maybe different. Like, you said you're more of a pragmatist. Like, you're on board, but you kind of want to know the why and that kind of thing. Like, even in my circles, I can totally find different of my friends, my family members that would fall in the into these different preferences and right. how they deal with change. And again, they're all neutral. Yeah. They're all good. Yeah. Um, and I know that so, you and I are different personality types. Yeah. So that would make sense. Yeah. Could make sense. As yes. Why those things. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So when people are faced with change, what happens to them? That's a, such a good question. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we've we been talking a lot kind of in this um, set of blaze process. And um, we've been talking with priests about change mm-hmm. and pair staff about change and the laity. And it's inevitable, right? Change is inevitable. Whether it's set ablaze. Whether it's set ablaze or not. Yeah, just in your life. Yeah. Um, it is absolutely inevitable. We're all going to experience change that's kind of outside of our control. Mm-hmm. Um in various ways and we have a choice in how we respond to that so um again these are kind of i'm really stealing this from a lot of social psychologists and leadership um development work that people have done but there's kind of three ways that we can respond to change one is to say okay this change is happening regardless of whether or not i like it Mm -hmm. um how can I capitalize on this change to really get the best outcome mm-hmm. and to kind of ride in Bishop uh, DeGroote's words, how, how can I ride the wave right. um, of grace mm-hmm. here and, and really capitalize on the changes? Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be, uh, you know, a first, a first option, a navigator. Let's right. call them a navigator. Okay. How can I navigate change well? Um, again, this is outside of my control, but okay, it's happening. I can either, you know, complain about it or whatever, or I can say, what can I do to help? Right. How can I really support this to ensure that the best possible outcome is achieved? Mm-hmm. So we can be a navigator. And I think that's the goal. Um, yes. You know, I wrote an article in the Bishop's Bulletin about some of this and, and we talked about Moses. Yes. yes. Like he's such, such an comparison. example yeah. of a navigator. Mm-hmm. Like if you read Exodus I mean, it's almost kind of comical what the Lord is asking. It's not funny what the Lord is asking, <laughs> right. but like the over and over and over again, mm-hmm. Moses, do this and do this and go to the elders and, and then like, lead the people really? and then talk to the Pharaoh <laughs> yeah. and then, um, you know, create the leaders within the um, Israelite people. And then I want you to fast for this number of days. And then I want you to grab this bread, but I only want you to eat this bread on this day. And I want you to do this. <laughs> and then I want you to do this. And then I want you to put that bread back in a different dinner. I mean, it is like, wow, <laughs> Lord, like there's a lot. That's a lot, man. A lot. That's, a, that's lot. a lot of faith to have. Yeah. In, yeah. In and what does Moses do? He does he, it. He did it. He does it. Mm-hmm. And and he recognizes that it's actually going to be good for the Israelite people, that everything the Lord is asking of him will bring about good for the people. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, okay, how can I navigate, if you will, these changes each? I mean, every day there was a new change, a yep. new law that yep. the Lord was kind of offering to the people. Um, how can I navigate these changes to really help the Israelites come into the the promised land? Yeah. Um, beautiful sign of, you know, beautiful example of a navigator. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's one option and okay. how we can respond. Okay. Really good option. I think we all recognize, like, yes. we want to be a navigator, yes. right? Second option, um, which I think we can fall into all the time, is kind of this survivor mentality where we cross our there. arms, <laughs> sit back and say, like, I'm just going to watch how this goes. Right. 
right? Like, I'm just going to kind of see how this plays out mm-hmm. before I make a judgment or before I really get on board or before mm-hmm. I kind of offer my help, you know? Like, right. have you ever been, like, working on a group, you know, thing, like a group of friends where you're trying to complete some sort of project, you're redoing your deck or mm-hmm. whatever, and there's this, like, moment of conflict, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you kind of go like, yeah, we're just going to watch how this goes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going to say it's not going to work, but I'm not going to be helpful <laughs> in figuring out a solution, right? right. Like, this is, yeah, we, we've all been there. Yeah. That's kind of the survivor mentality. Um, you know, if we keep on going with that example of, of um, Exodus, uh, I think of I think of Aaron. So Aaron was kind of Moses's right hand man, mm-hmm. right? And there's one day where Moses goes up the mountain, and all of the people surround Aaron and are saying, you know, hey, would you build us a golden calf? Like we need, you know, and they're pressing in on him. Come on, we need something to worship. Like we want something. And so Aaron is like, bah, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Like we're just, we're just going to do it. He was kind of in this survivor mode, yeah. right? Like he wasn't trusting Moses. Yes. And he's pressured by the people. Yes. He and, wasn't navigating the change right. that, you know, was that the Lord was kind of asking. Mm-hmm. He really was like, uh, I don't I don't know what to do here. So I'm just going to like sit back and kind of plead the fifth. And actually right. like Moses comes down and says to Aaron, like, why did why would you do this? Why would you build this golden calf? And he's like, you know how the people can be like, it's not my <laughs> fault. Right. Like not my not my gig. Like I was a survivor in this. Right. Right. So we can kind of have that response. I think that's a really, really common response, actually. Like yeah. we just we remove ourselves because we don't want to be on the chopping block. Yeah. If it doesn't go the right way. Yep. Um, we don't we're not offering our helpfulness to the change. But at the same time, we also don't want to be the cause of its failure. Yeah. We don't want to help. We don't want to hurt. Yes. So we're just kind of. Yeah. Like, so I'm just going to like step out a right. little bit. Right. Yep. Um, and I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch and wait and see how this goes. Which, it's, which in fact, like, I don't know that that's always a bad thing right. for Sometimes the record. that can be okay. Yeah, but I think there's a way of intention with it. You know, there's one survivor. There's kind of a spectrum within this survivor mentality. One is like, yeah, well, we're going to watch and wait and kind of have like a hope that it will fail. Because wouldn't that feel more, you know, encouraging to yes. me sort yes. of thing? Like, see, or, I told you I should have waited. Yeah. yeah. Or there's like, I'm going to watch and wait because I just don't understand yet how I can be helpful. Those are very two different postures kind of within the survivor. So that's, that's another way that people respond. Okay. The last one, and I think this is also super common, I've um, been there, done that, um, (laughs) continue to do it regularly, is to kind of have this victim, victim sort of mentality, um, which is, which is in, in essence, like, oh, this is happening to me again. Why is this happening to me again? Why is my husband doing this to me again? Why are my kids out to get me again? Why are my, you know, why is Bishop moving us again? Why is Bishop moving our priest again? I feel like this can happen a lot in the political realm with the government. Yeah, very much so. Why are they doing this to us again? Why is this happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really, um, it's really an easy temptation, I think, for us to fall into. And, and, um, you know, a lot of times... Um, this is maybe deeper than what we can go here, but I think a lot of times in this victim mentality, there's usually some sort of wound that's kind of at the heart of why we tend to slide easily into that victim yeah. response. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because we've consistently felt unknown or misunderstood. Okay. And um, so after some patterns of these wounds of feeling um, misunderstood or unknown, it's really easy for us to just continue to go down that slide into 
Ugh, nobody nobody understands me right. nobody knows me nobody whatever right. um sometimes it's a a matter of um blaming maybe right. somebody has experienced being blamed for something even if it was you know their error or mm-hmm. their fault but it was done in such a harsh or uncomfortable or painful way that they um never wanted to feel that way again mm-hmm. they never wanted to feel at fault again mm-hmm. so they won't take responsibility for errors that they make because it's really painful Mm -hmm. and when our you know this is a good thing like we have a a temptation or a a tendency to protect ourselves as human that's really good like that's how our race has survived Mm -hmm. for millions of years right Right. is that we recognize like okay the the iron is hot Mm -hmm. um so it's a protection of ourselves, mm-hmm. but it can be really easy then for us to kind of slide into that victim mentality. Yeah. Um, and I always really talk about this with great tenderness because um, it really is, it is so easy for us to slide into, but it's not where the Lord desires us to live. No. And so there's something that actually needs healing in in our hearts um, and in our, you know, approach and in our understanding if and when we find ourselves easily sliding into kind of that victim Um that victim mentality yeah um oftentimes you'll kind of notice for a victim the maybe the stimulus or the um experience is at like a level maybe it's at like a level four mm-hmm. the response is at a level eight. Oh, so there's this gap between the bigness of the experience and the bigness of the response sure. in a victim mm-hmm. um and that's often a telltale for me when i'm kind of acting like a oh. victim if I can take a step back, I'm like, okay, in, if I can like remove my emotions from this situation, what the experience that I just had with my husband really was like a level three, right? Like it wasn't a big deal. Um, but my response was really big. Right. What's that about? Right. (laughs) And somewhere in there between that gap is the wound Yeah, is what we would say. So yeah, so I just always talk about that with great tenderness because I think it's it is a it is a temptation. You and I have all you know all of us, every one yep. of us listening, I think has kind of fallen into this victim mentality. Yeah. Um, who who are the yeah. victims in the Moses? I yeah, remember. yeah, oh, the Israelites. It's the Israelite people, right? <laughs> so like the yeah. Israelite people, it's so funny they. Um, go to Moses and Aaron and they say, you know, oh, that we would have um, died uh, at the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt where at least we would have been fed. Right. You know, where at least our <laughs> bellies would have been full. If you just would have let us stay in Egypt, we could have eaten our bread, you know, but instead you had to pull us out here. At least there we were under oppression, but we were fed. Here we've, we're in the desert. We've got nothing. I mean, it's just like, it's so, so the people so, grumbled against yes. God and Moses. Yeah. That's kind of that victim. Yeah. You do, you've done this to us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Emily, we're we're gonna we're running out of time fast, and this always happens. I know here. we need a part two. I know. <laughs> so, um, you gave us some example. I don't know if you have any quick examples from real life that's besides Moses, but I also want to talk about two other things: the don't forget your why, which yeah. you have mentioned to us, and how to how it's okay to fail, and and what do we do? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So like we talked about minutes. five minutes. Oh, I can totally do that. <laughs> so we know we talked about being a navigator. Yeah. How do we, how do you be a navigator? Yeah. Well, one of the ways that I think you really navigate change well is to remember why it's happening. Yes. And um, that has to be deeply personal. Mm-hmm. Like you have to get to the point of why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, you know, I've shared the example before for me, I had a profound experience standing in front of an image of the last judgment, um, five, 10 years ago, oh my gosh, 10 years ago and had this experience of like, I want to be on the clouds pulling people into heaven. Mm-hmm. And for example, with set ablaze, um, 
as I was understanding, okay, why are we doing this? I just, I connected that moment where I, where I felt like I want to be on the clouds pulling people into heaven, not because I'm super holy, but I just had this desire for people to know and love Jesus mm-hmm. and experience him for all eternity. Um, and I thought set ablaze is actually going to help us do that. Yes. So that would, that's my why. Yeah. But like that's that's mine. Right. I think everybody needs to find their own when what when facing whatever change um, comes. Yeah. And then I think the other thing about choosing to be a navigator is recognizing that you're going to try and fail. Yes. There are, and you're going to try and succeed. Yes. Um, failure. This is what's going to happen in in the pastorates. Yeah. You're totally. Try things, and sometimes they're going to fail. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Yes. And yes. Sometimes they're going to succeed. So we're just so critical of ourselves, yeah. and we're so critical of other people. Um, I mean, I can be totally this way, like even as as I've been um, supporting and, and helping to facilitate different parts of Set Ablaze, I can be like, oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done this a little yep. bit better, whatever. Praise God. Praise God that there's places where we recognize our continued need for growth. Mm-hmm. Like how boring would it be to be perfect all the time, you know? <laughs> Like there's a, there's this beautiful invitation, I think, to say, recognize our failures and grow from them. And that's part of the deal. That's part of the gift. For sure. sure. So when we succeed, we should celebrate that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I always think I'm not a huge sports person, but I love the moments (laughs) in between. Everyone always laughs when I say that. Do I not look like a sports person? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I love the moments in between plays, in between each football throw, in between each volleyball um, you know, rally, like there's the team comes together, whether they lose the point or win the point and they, but especially when they win, like there's this moment where they're celebrating a win builds on all of those moments of celebration. We got to stop and celebrate the little things. Yeah, I agree. Um, so there was one other piece in the article that you wrote and, and maybe it was actually in the presentation that you did for the pastors, but you talked about there, there are some things that are going to remain the same. Yeah. Even through set ablaze. Yes. Oh, Remember it's those? so and important. Like, I do. I do. Those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we talked at the beginning about like, we're part of institutions because we value them. And when we're feeling uneasy about change, I think it's really, really important to remember, hey, there's a lot that's not changing. Right. There's a lot that remains the same. Like we are still, you know, the church on the prairie. We will continue to serve um, all of our people across the diocese of Sioux Falls. We will continue to evangelize. We will continue to um, win people for the sake of the kingdom every single day. And we're still one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Yep. We'll still celebrate the Eucharist. We will yep. still have the sacrament of reconciliation. We will still, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. Yep. What a gift. And That's, he's still with us. Oh, yeah. It doesn't change. Yeah. We don't have to be afraid of change. It is sometimes difficult. Yeah. Um, but I, I find great hope in what's what's happening in the diocese. Seeing lots of people really kind of really grab onto it, and they're they're the navigators. The navigators. Like, Let's go. Let's yeah. make the most of this. Yeah, the and navigators are pumped. Yes, they're like, yes. oh, I see, I see, I get. Those who are struggling will take it to prayer a lot. Um, talk to the people who are navigators. Uh, talk to the people who are who are just survivors and see where how you can move up to the next step. Yeah, and. Just continue on. Yeah. Because we need everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to go. Yep. Cling to the Eucharist. Cling to what's the same. Yeah. Maybe spend some time in adoration. Yeah. Yeah. We need to do more of that anyway. That's right. That's right. (laughs) You know, it's amazing. The Lord will do so much of the work. Like, I have this tendency to think that I need to, Mm -hmm. like, hustle and grind and, Mm -hmm. you know, grip my teeth and whatever. And it's amazing um, just the moments where I 
get out of the way yes. where I just stop and get out of the way. Like yep. the Lord does the work. Yep. It's amazing. I hear that all the time from people when we're talking about apostolates they've started and so on, how the doors open mm-hmm. if they just like, mm-hmm. let it. Yeah. Lord, help me to take the next right step. Yes. Oh, that's a great way to end. There you go. Thank you, Emily, for coming in. So, Thanks, Renee. Of course, you can always find us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at SF Diocese anytime. Um, you can also find us at sfcatholic.org if you have questions about the diocese. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic.